Good morning. It's my privilege today to open up the Word of God from the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. So if um, you're visiting, wonderful to have you join in today. So I'm Carl Pugginton. This is Winery Beach Vineyard Church. And we'll go through the book of Revelation, not all of it, but the first three chapters. And we're up to the uh, chapter three and talking about the fifth church, the church at Sardis. So there's a bit of a uh, overview. This was written uh, by the apostle John, we think, in the end of near the end of the first century. Uh, John had been exiled on an island, the island of Patmos, it's just off the coast of Turkey, modern day Turkey, about 60 kilometers off. He'd been uh, in prison there, and he he was really missing the churches that he loved. It talks about seven. There are more, actually more in that area of those churches. The seven is a number that, that represents completeness. So that means that it's not only talking to those churches, it, it's talking to other churches, and it talks to us. So we are looking at the Church of Sardis. So turn to Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. We'll put your finger in there. We'll be there soon. Sardis had a great history. It was uh, 50 kilometers south of the church was talked about last week, Thyatira. And it was uh, inland. It was about 80 kilometers from the coast, inland from the coast. Had great, enjoyed great wealth and prominence as a strategic city throughout its history it is famous for uh, the Acropolis, which is a fortress that was up high on the hill where the city was, and a necropolis, which is cemetery. So Acropolis and a necropolis. The Sardis Cemetery, the necropolis, was called the Cemetery of a Thousand Hills. It, it could be seen from seven kilometers away. It was famous. Uh, Sardis was also known for its woolen industry and its gold and silver coins. The fortress of Sardis was uh, 250 meters above the town, but on the southern wall was actually 450 meters vertical from the southern floor. It was thought that um, because of that, it was impregnable, but we'll hear more about that later. In AD 17, Sardis suffered a catastrophic earthquake, which flattened the town. Uh, but thanks to the financial help of the Roman Emperor Tiberius, Sardis was rebuilt and then gifted a five-year moratorium on taxes. In John's letter to the Sardis church, there's no mention at all of heresy or opposition to the church at Sardis. And in fact, the church at Sardis seemed to have settled in really comfortably with its pagan environment. So we're going to read the scripture now, Revelation 3, 1 to 6. This is from the NIV version to the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, 
what you have received and heard. Hold it fast. Repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have few people inside us who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. And as we open it up today, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us from it, the living word. Amen. Three thoughts from three different people about the church at Sardis. Three thoughts. Three thoughts going around. Thought number one, they think. They think the outsiders, those out there, the others, they had this, this picture, this idea about the church at Sardis that wasn't true. Verse one, Sardis had a reputation. It was this, this idea and circulation about Sardis Church that actually wasn't accurate. It's sort of like the church at Smyrna. And Smyrna was, remember, the church down on the coast, 80 kilometers down on the coast. And there was, uh, there was these untrue things going around about Smyrna. In fact, it's described as slander. In other words, slander, uh, critical and untrue things, false criticisms. It wasn't true. But here at Sardis, the church had this glowing reputation, and that wasn't true either. Uh, the thinking was that from the outside of this church at Sardis was alive. They were pumping. They were smashing it for Jesus. But actually, they weren't. There was old information. They were dead, it says, verse 1. And in chapter 1, if we think back to chapter 1, we, we, we have this picture of Jesus, and it's the other way around. It talks about Jesus as the one who was dead and is now alive. In Sardis here, the church that was once was alive is now described as dead. Verse 1, you have a name for being alive, but you are dead. You have a name for being alive, but you are a corpse. You have the body, but you don't have the breath of life in the body. It's, it's easy. It's actually easy for the, the grapevine of intel of a place, of an organization to be out of date. When I was... Uh, a teacher. When I was teaching, I often have a conversation with, with friends and acquaintances that would go something like this. What do you think, Carl, of such and such a school? We have heard that. And I got in the habit of, of replying this way. Why don't you pop along and have a look at that school? Because what you've heard may not be up to date. One principal said to me, he reckoned a lot of schools reputations were based on conversations from coffee mornings from about one or two years earlier and at Sardis in that area at the time the general reputation of the church at Sardis was most likely based on on old intel old information of days gone by and so thought one thought one of Sardis was they think the outsiders they think and thought two you think verse two you think, at Sardis, they were so high up, 450 metres up above the valley, and so hard to conquer, 
and prosperous and such a, a long history as a city, uh, they'd only, only been conquered twice in history, 6 BC and 3 BC. And at both times, the attackers had done it by scaling those almost vertical rock walls at night. And they were so steep, it was thought that it was impossible. And so the, it was left at the top, it was left guardless. And twice it was proved that it was very possible. And then there was this, also an earthquake in AD 17 that flattened, absolutely flattened the city. And so Sardis as a city lived an illusion of security, as a city that lived a, a make-believe existence that she'll be right. And three times had, had complete disasters overtake them. And the church of Sardis near the end of the first century had that same illusion that they were safe as that they were safe as, but they weren't safe. They were in grave danger, Jesus says. I will come like a thief in the night. The church at Sardis, they had this uh, sleepy contentedness, a sense of false security about them. They say soldiers should sleep with their boots on. Well, Sardis was asleep and not with the boots on. They had their, they had their onesies on. They had their earplugs and they had eye masks. On, they're snoring contentedly. They were fast asleep, dreaming contentedly. They had some wrong, very wrong, dangerously wrong thinking going on. So firstly, the outsiders, they thought about Sardis, uh, wonderful things, but it was based on a, on a reputation on days gone by. And secondly, the church itself at Sardis, they thought they were safe as and thirdly, and most importantly, Jesus thinks something about Sardis. In fact, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And he thinks, Jesus thinks uh, about the majority. And he says this, wake up. He says, you're dreaming. They need to wake up because they are dreaming. There's a wonderful Australian movie called the, it's a classic actually, called The Castle, 1997, the movie. It's about a working class Australian family. And these developers attempt a, a compulsory acquisition of their house to expand neighbouring airport. And the film is about this battle between developers and the family. A funny insert at various points in the film is about one of the sons, Steve. Steve's an apprentice mechanic. Steve spends a lot of his spare time reading, uh, it's called The Trading Post, a buy and sell magazine. And he'll yell out throughout the, out the movie to his dad, the dad's called Daryl, uh, different items he sees in the trading post and gets his dad to reply. But dad has one standard reply repeated throughout the film. So it goes like this, Steve, dad, ergonomic chairs, four of them. And dad's called Daryl. Daryl, what's he want? Steve, 180. Daryl, tell him he's dreaming. Next one. Steve says, Dad, a jousting stick, $450. Tell him they're dreaming. What's a jousting stick worth, Dad? Oh, couldn't be more than 250 depending on the condition. Next one. Dad, someone's selling an overhead projector. Daryl, what's he asking? Steve, 150 Tell him he's dreaming. And the last one, Steve's leaning on the wall and he's, he's reading the, 
the uh, the trading post. Dad, what's a pulpit, Daryl? It's where the minister gives his sermon from. How much, Steve? Eight hundred. Daryl, dreaming, and that goes to prove you know even religious people can be dreaming sometimes. And Jesus says to majority at the church at Sardis, you're dreaming. Sure, some good things have happened in the past in the church, but you can't be camping out on those old days, falling asleep to the reality of your present spiritual condition. You're dreaming. It's so easy to do, to, to do something in the past, to say a prayer, uh, to come forward at an altar call, to get baptized, to do whatever in the past, and then think that that's enough. To go to sleep in the faith, to nod off, to dream as if everything's okay, but you're dreaming. Mickey Cohen. Mickey Cohen was a famous American gangster of the late 1940s. He made a public profession of faith of Christ, but as time went on, his Christian friends noticed, uh, began to wonder why his, his actual uh, gangster lifestyle had not changed at all. Mickey Cohen said this, you said you, you said you never told me I had to give up my career. You never told me I had to give up my my friends. He says there's Christian movie stars, there's Christian athletes, there's Christian businessmen. So what's the matter with being a Christian gangster? And Christian and uh, Mickey Cohen's response echoes this: just a real common danger of not uh, of not really wanting to change, just wanting a Christianized version of what we already are. And, and want to remain rather than actually being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And Jesus says to the church at Sardis, through John, they're dreaming, they're dreaming to the majority, they're dreaming. And Jesus says something also to not uh, to the minority, because it wasn't all of them, but there's a minority. Verse 4, a few, says Jesus says to, there's a few of you have not soiled their clothes. A few of you have not soiled your clothes. There's archaeological evidence that uh, for the pagan festivals, those were with dirty clothes were not allowed entry into the pagan festivals. Jesus says, a few of you have not soiled your clothes. Uh, interesting to this faithful minority, Jesus does not advise them to migrate to another city with a, an alive church or even to start up an alternative church to the the dead church at Sardis. Jesus doesn't say that, but he speaks encouragement to the minority there, to the, the faithful minority at the church of Sardis. It's hard for them. Majority of those around them have this, this lethargy, this deadness about them, but there's still the possibility, the opportunity to bring some life back, to resurrect the faith of their brothers, to bring dead Christians back to life, and that was their calling and their ministry. Jesus had some thoughts about the majority and about the minority, and finally, and I want to say most importantly, uh, about a possibility, the possibility. And in fact, there's two possibilities. One is negative and one is positive. Uh, the first one, there, if there's no repentance, Jesus says, I will come like a thief at an undisclosed hour, and that's going to end terribly badly. It's going to be a shocking future. That's one possibility. But the other possibility where there is repentance, some wonderful things will take place. 
He says, uh, they will walk with me, verse 4. They will walk with me. It'll be like back in the garden. And this is Revelation 3. Right at the, this is the last book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible is Genesis. And in Genesis 3, it has God created his world. And, and, and he likes to come down in the cool of the day and be amongst his creation. And Jesus here in Revelation 3 says, I will walk with you if you repent. Secondly, they'll be dressed in white. Probably refers to the Roman practice of a conquering general as he came back and his army came back. And the citizens, they'd line the streets and they'd dress in white and join in the parade. And Jesus says, they'll be dressed in white. I'll, I'll walk with them. They'll walk with me. They'll be dressed in white. And thirdly, he says, and their names will be added to the book of life and will be acknowledged by Jesus. Jesus adds this possibility their names won't be blocked out from the book of life, but he will acknowledge their name, his name, um, before my father and his angels. There's a double reference here. Moses talks about in Exodus 32, uh, verse 32, the desert community <clears throat> where names were possibility being blocked out. And uh, Greco-Roman citizens, you know, a person was born in those days, their name was written in a book. And at times, criminals in Greco-Roman cities, um, just before their execution, their names would be um, scrubbed out from that book of the list of the, of the names of the community. But Jesus holds out this wonderful promise, the opportunity that their names will remain forever in the book of life. And more than that, that Jesus will advocate their names before God, they acknowledge their names. And it's available for all, not just for those that Sardis. Verse 5 says, he who overcomes will like them, will like them experience these wonderful things. But it is contingent on change. It depends on change. And there's three parts to that. Remember, obey, and repent. Remember what you've learned. Obey it repent remember that means you don't have to create anything remember it's not some construction task just remember what you received and heard you know we have the raw material we have the word of god we have the spirit of god we have the community of faith just need to remember obey obedience learning to love takes practice and practice takes repetition there's no formation without repetition. Our daughter, Tiatafai, is learning piano. There is no formation without repetition. <laughs> Repent. Repent. That means submission. It's not so much about uh, energy as desire. It's about the heart. Our goal is to align our desires with God's desires, not the other way around. Possibilities. Huge and wonderful, all around us, possibilities. Verse 5 says, he who overcomes will like them experience these wonderful things. And as we finish today, and, and those who want to remain, we'll go into uh, rooms and we'll pray. And I want us to pray about the, the possibility. There's wonderful possibilities around us. Well, there's fantastic 
promises, and but they are contingent. Uh, we can't just go to sleep, can't just dream, don't want to be dreaming. But um, the, there is possibilities that Jesus speaks out to us today. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray. Eh? Thank you, Lord, for your word today. And uh, Lord, uh, we are aware of the possibility of going to sleep. We don't want to go to sleep, but we want to um, make the most of the possibilities that you give us to walk with you, to be dressed uh, in white, to be part of the victory parade and to um, have our names acknowledged uh, as, as part of you. Amen. Thank you.